Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Pinky's out, Pat. Pinky's out. It's our fancy episode. We're getting hoity start reviews. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and an art review episode wouldn't be an art review episode without the one and only Dakota. Welcome back. Thanks so much for coming back on. Thank you for having me. It's truly an honor and a pleasure. <laughs> Awesome. You are old hat at this now, Dakota, because this is your third, fourth episode with us. Uh, so you've been on it a couple of times, but it's my third. third. And third. I still manage to not know anything about ma- magic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you there one day. We'll get you there one day. Um, but for our listeners who maybe uh, didn't catch the first two episodes, can you give us kind of a rundown of, you know, who you are and what you do? Because you have quite the illustrious career in the art world. Thank you. Yeah. So I uh, studied art history. I did a Fulbright and a master's and I worked in a number of different museums, the Harvard Art Museums, Museum of Fine Arts Boston. And more recently I've been working in public art. So I'm working closely with artists to commission public artworks in New York City. Excellent. So Definitely no stranger to the world of fine art, and you are a good friend of the cast, and so graciously decided to <laughs> step away from the Monets and Rembrandts and took a look at some pools and rushes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but last episode was uh, the holiday art review, where we took a look at some of the best yeah. uh, holiday uh, art in magic. and. Yep. For this episode, we decided on the theme of reprint art, which I don't know if we kind of we've mentioned this before on previous episodes with you, Dakota, but in the world of magic, um, you know, you have some very popular cards that people really like. And after a couple of years go by, the company that makes magic decides, hey, these cards are really popular. Let's bring them back. Let's reprint them for, you know, some of the newer players. And then sometimes, not always, but sometimes they decide, hey, let's spice it up a bit and commission new art for the card. So it's the same card, but different art just to kind of spice things up and give, you know, the old players something new that they can like. And then also get these really popular cards in the hands of new players. Uh, so we figured that would be what we took a look at and you can let us know is the new art great is the new art terrible should it was it a huge upgrade or should they just have not bothered touching it just leave it as it was don't fix what isn't broken (laughs) okay well i love the theme of this one i'm very interested in artists who are reinterpreting looking back but also forging their own way so excellent like rich topic to explore Excellent. Yeah, because I mean, art is about, you know, standing on the shoulders of the giants that came before us, uh, you know, getting inspiration from, you know, previous artists. And it's it's great to see, you know, giving two people the same description and seeing how they can make vastly different interpretations of that or sometimes very, very similar interpretations of that. So 
got some suggestions from our listeners. I kind of went through them and picked out some of my favorites as well. And let's just kind of dive into it and start taking a look. Sounds awesome. So the first one we have is actually the first, I believe I might be wrong, but I don't think I am the first ever instance of reprint art in the game. Um, And that is plateau. Um, This first one we're going to take a look at is the plateau that was featured in alpha beta unlimited by drew Tucker. All right, so this this is the predecessor, and we'll next see yes. the matter. Yeah, okay. this this is the this is the OG. This is the OG, and we'll take a look <laughs> at the reinterpretation after it. Okay, got it. So you want my first impressions? First impressions. All right. Well, I love watercolor. I'm always impressed with anyone who has a handle on it. Watercolor is like it's a medium that's hard to use because you are letting light through. Um, by leaving your canvas or your paper blank. And it sort of takes reversal of thinking in order to do that. In other words, mm-hmm. you're not applying white paint, right? So it, it takes a while to adjust to, and it's um, you have to have a really good handle on how wet it is, how long you let things dry. It takes some time, actually. So I think that this is an artist who really knows what they're doing in the medium. Um, they clearly made it quickly, but that seems to be... Or, or I should say sketchily, that mm-hmm. seems to be part of their style, I would say. Um, you also have like these splatters of the wet paint um, up above the rock, which is interesting. It almost gives it like this feeling of the cliff falling, like a little bit of instability. Um, and I love the dramatic lighting where there's almost this light that's out side of the frame that's mm-hmm. casting this sharp shadow over the edge of that plateau. My big criticism here is that we don't actually have any sense of scale. Mm. Um, I think otherwise compositionally, it's really interesting, but I would have loved like a little person or something thrown in to give you a sense of, are we looking at, you know, a one foot ledge here or a hundred foot ledge? But otherwise I think it's really nice. I don't know that it tells much of a story though. Is it supposed to? So this is on a land card. So it's basically, it's supposed to be a landscape, you know, like this is, I remember the land cards. You remember the land cards, but yeah, yeah, this, this is where, you know, things take place. So it it sets the scene basically. Okay. Um, And what I actually like is I've seen this art a bunch of times, but I've only ever seen it really in its card form when it shrunk down much Mm -hmm. more than this. And I actually don't even know if I realized that this was a watercolor you know, until I actually saw this blown up version of it and seeing all of this detail, because there is a ton more detail in this painting now that I'm looking at it blown up that is definitely lost in its its card scale version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I actually don't know if I've ever seen this card in person, believe it or not. But yeah, this is actually a very, very expensive card. Like this probably one's probably like if you were to have this card, it would probably, I don't know, be a thousand dollars, something around. Oh, that. easily. Yeah, yeah easily. easily. Um, this was this is one of the earliest cards ever printed, um, you know, back in uh, 19, 1993. Um, so these are extremely rare, extremely hard to find. Um, and they're a huge collector's item. Because of the next piece that we're going to be talking about. Also, they're 2,500. They're 20, uh, 2,500 yeah, a piece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's the last one sold was 2,500. 
And the reason why they're so expensive and such a collector's item is, and the reason why it is actually the first example of reprint art in Magic is when the company reprinted this card the next year, um, they lost the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, my God. so this, so this was in like the first and second run of the game. And then they go and make the third run of the game. They send, you know, they send the same print sheet to the printers to do a third run because the game was way more popular than they thought it was going to be. They need to, you know, bring in more, make more copies. They go, they send everything to the printer and they're like, uh, guys, where's the plateau art? <laughs> oh my God. I feel chills coming from a museum background. <laughs> You're, you're in prison. <laughs> yeah, this was, you know, the days before, uh, you know, the cloud storage and hard drives and anything like that. They, um, yeah, they, they lost the original artwork and the hard drive they had that had the digital version of the artwork was corrupted. And so the art was lost and they hastily commissioned an artist to paint up a replacement art and send it over to the printers so they could make it for the print run. Um, I actually have a little quote here from uh, back in the day. Um, Plateau is the only dual land that received new art in revised edition because the original art had become unusable. The hard drive with the image crashed. The version is actually attributed to Cornelius Br uh, Broody, despite the misattribution to drew tucker so on the card it says the artist had just drew tucker but in reality cornelius broody was the actual artist uh it's just his name didn't make it onto the final print runs because uh there was such a rush job with the printer mm. um so yeah just an 11th hour change and it gave us our first ever example of art changing in the game of magic and as oh. such Original Plateau is a very highly sought after collector's edition, not only because it was, you know, in one of the first print runs of the game, but because you'll never get it again. It's not even like the company doesn't decide to make it. They physically cannot do it again because the artwork is lost. Okay, interesting. So let's let's take a look at this. The reprint one. This is the one people are probably more familiar with uh, as it's far more common since it is the one that got reprinted and got more copies out there. Um, but this is the plateau art that most people associate with the card uh, just because of, you know, it's it's much more prevalent and, and out there. Well, instantly I'm like, yes, they put a little figure in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. So. Yeah. Your, your little scale that you were asking for previously. <laughs> um, and it's a very, you know, evocative landscape. It's kind of got this like cold, I'm. I guess I'm probably saying that because of the snow, but it's barren. It's, um, you know, the previous painting was using a lot of warm, uh, high keyed colors for contrast. Mm -hmm. And this is really much more um, straight up dark, you know, grays um, and black against whites. Um, so the contrast is much more, um, I mean, it's stark, but it's like not as colorful, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the, uh, I'm a, you know, if I were going to think about one of these artists for another kind of commission, um, just for my own 
personal uh, style preference, I probably would go with the previous artist just because I think this is a little more um, interesting. Uh, you know, I like, I'm sorry, I'm returning to the original artwork here and looking at it, but you know, I'm starting to appreciate more seeing them side by side um, that there's really a focus on landforms in the previous one, like making those rocks feel kind of craggy, I guess. Whereas in the second one, it's more of like a mass. Um, and I think it's more about creating this feeling of a cold, barren landscape with mm. a lot of sky in view. You know, you've got the moon, so you know it's night or maybe um, dawn before the sun comes out. Um, I like them both though. Yeah, I also, I like, I've never really thought about it, but also just kind of the change in perspective. Um, you know, with the Drew Tucker version, it feels like we're kind of a little bit higher up looking down. And as such, you know, the actual landmass fills more of the frame. Whereas with the Cornelius uh, Broody version, we're like down looking up. And as a result, like half the art is basically just the sky. Yes, exactly. I think in terms of the composition and in terms of what especially works on a smaller scale, the latter version is much stronger. Um, mm -hmm. I think the second version for me personally is a bit more interesting to look at in terms of the technique, mm -hmm. you know, um, just because you can really focus on the different layers of paint that were applied. So the first, the first one we looked at by Drew Tucker was watercolor. Can you tell what, what the, the Cornelius uh, Broody version is? Is this like oil I'm or acrylic? About it. It's pretty hard to tell with this image. It looks like the scan is not as high a resolution. Um, mm. It even could be a watercolor. Uh, definitely the white is applied as a pigment, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. over space. Um, but I would guess it's probably more likely an acrylic. Hmm. What about you, Pat? Which one you like better? I like the, I mean, personally, I like the second one better, but because uh, I like the two moons, it reminds me of uh, Star Wars, or uh, the two suns, rather. I, see, um, I read that second moon as a mistake or like a. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is about. No, it's not it was, quite. Well, you know, like sometimes you can see the moon and the suns in like the, like the, the, the daytime. That's what I imagine it as, you know, like you see the moon up there when the, yeah. when the sun's out. Could be both, yeah. Um, but I did, I do kind of dig the. So this is the first time I've seen the Beta Plateau art, and it does give me a sense of motion. Like this is a recent rock fall. That's what I see is like, like this this cliffside just came crashing down, and that's I don't know, the the splattering of that of that kind of made me feel like it's like there's some action going on there. So I kind of dig both of them. But if I had to pick, if I had to pick one, I kind of like I kind of like the second one, the revised one. But but they're both they're both really cool. They're both really cool. I, I like the second one too. I, I don't know if that's just familiarity. Like that's the one I'm more associated with. Sure, yeah. My big thing is I just like the little figure because it just, in my mind, that's always been Don Quixote. It's mm -hmm. very, yeah. very <laughs> Don, Don Quixote-esque. And that's why I, I like the second one. But that gave us our, our first ever reprint. I just thought it was a fun little piece of Magic's history. And, you know, a simple mistake 30 years later has, uh, you know, people talking about it and, you know, just kind of a funny quirk of a uh, quirk of how the game came about in, in its early days. Yeah. Yeah. Wild stuff happened for sure. Um, up next, Pat, I don't think Dakota realizes the, the gravity of this, but we're about to get very controversial Dakota. Uh, uh, no. Indeed. Yeah. This is, 
down. Oh God. All right. So, I'm gonna- <laughs> be right back. <laughs> oh, that first reaction. People are people are gonna be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> when they find out what our next card is. Well, the best thing is bring the whole bottle. Just brings the a big old bottle. jug. Big old jug. <laughs> so a little background on this. So the context of this card is that this is the artwork. There's three different artworks for this one card. It is uh well, the most played. Sorry, go ahead, Jerry. There's more. There's like there's like f- six or seven sure, different artworks. Sure, I sure. just chose three of the most popular. Right, ones. right. So this card is like the most popular, um, like love it or hate it, like most widely played card in the format that Jerry and I specialize in. Um, it's uh, a point of contention uh, for a lot of players where, you know, it's kind of the identity of the format, but also some people don't like that. That it's the identity of it has the identity of the format. Um and like the first art you see here is from the OG, like uh, like the, you know, one of the most beloved artists in all of magic, who is not one of my favorites for what it's worth. Like he like one of his cards I really love, but there are other ones I can kind of take or leave them. But basically, this is the most popular card in the in the game as as we know it. Yes. I'm um, what? Yeah, it's the most popular card in the game. It's in the, the whole most game. Uh, uh, yeah, of, oh, in the of form like, in the format we play. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Of 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 like of legacy, which is the yeah. game that the game that we play. It is the most popular card. It sees the most play. Yes. Roughly, roughly anywhere from fifty to sixty percent of decks have this card in it. Always four of them. <laughs> it's like it's like, always maxed out. It's ubiquitous, and there's yes. many different artworks that have been printed over the years, yeah. and people get very very attached to their version of the artwork Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. they feel is best and it creates a little bit of tribalism among magic players over which which brainstorm art camp are you in yes yeah for sure (laughs) and 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 we've we jerry did a good job of picking these three because they are the three most contentious i think of all so the first one is we have the original the first brainstorm art done in ice age i believe by chris rush Yep. And um, we've, we've reviewed some other Chris Rush, uh, paintings on previous ones. Uh, Black Lotus, the, yep. fl- the flower, which uh, I believe you were not a very big fan of. Not yep. a very big fan of. You said like, this looks I think, like a rush job. Yeah, we, we did. We also <laughs> pun, uh, pun, in, pun intended. We, we did. Uh, we did Lightning Bolt as well. Um, we've done a couple of them. Um, but then you also have the uh, the detour. Well, let's, ter- let's, let's focus on just the rush version. First OK, sure, sure, sure. We'll start with that one first. So what what do you think about uh, Brainstorm by Chris Rush? Well, I'd be curious to know what year this came out because it sort of looks like someone saw a Terminator poster and ripped off of it. (laughs) (laughs) If not, if the influence is the other way around, then I would maybe give it some credit. But yeah, I don't, I mean, it's effective in giving me the creeps, um, but so I'm, the- not, I'm not drawn to this. I like, here's the thing. I don't think I'm going to feel so bad if I ever run into Chris Rush, but I don't. <laughs> well, well, you definitely won't <laughs> unless you're, unless you're hanging around graveyards. <laughs> okay, good. He's dead. Nice. <laughs> not in that order, Sorry but. His um, children or whatever, but I don't think that he's very technically skilled. I just don't. I mean, I think that, um, he, there's sort of like uh there's some fun to the naive way that he's painting in a way um 
But this really feels like someone who was a huge fan of action figures and just copied <laughs> a lot of what they saw. Uh, I do, I like the, um, the clouds. I think they're really beautiful. Um, or I don't know if I should call them clouds. Uh, yeah, I would say so. It's, it's like a nebulous thing behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know what story is trying to be told, but like all I'm getting is there's this ominous person who like non-human who's maybe exploding from inside, but doesn't seem upset about it. So the context of the card, how it's played in the game is that you're almost like you're getting a stroke of revelation. This lets you look at the top cards of your deck and rearrange them and put them back on top of your deck with kind of the, the flavor of it being that you're brainstorming ideas of how you're going to proceed in the match. So it's like someone's standing there and they're having like a eureka moment, like the light bulbs are going off. Okay. Uh, well, that's not how I feel when I have to- <laughs> <laughs> this guy has spider legs out his back. <laughs> yeah, I, is, I think that's, is it like a fashion statement? Is it like heavily 80? I liked your Terminator reference because it is very like 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque. Yeah. Totally, yeah. This did come out in 1996. I'm serious about movie poster art because I think that that did become a really big influence where they have this sort of like centered figure mm-hmm. and a background that allows them to be the thing that you focus your attention on, but that's Mm -hmm. also really, uh, you know, active somehow. So this feels very action figure-esque to me. It feels Mm. very much in the language of comic um, creators, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I would Mm -hmm. just say there's, I don't know. I. So you're not hanging this up in the Boston Museum of Fine Art. (laughs) Personally, no. Um, I just think with magic, you have the ability to, I mean, what you said, Jerry, about the role of this card, mm-hmm. you could interpret that in so many different ways. And yeah. turn it, like, look, his his scalp is pink. And <laughs> he, like, there's something wrong with this person. That's his, I feel like his brain's sticking out. That's what I imagined. It's his brain is, is- Head split open and it's his brain out there. I think Chris Rush had a sick sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I'm hoping, honestly, because if not... Uh, uh, I do like the symmetry of the art. It's very symmetrical. Well, I mean, not, not perfectly, but pretty close. Yeah, definitely pretty close. I think that's kind of neat. Um, I don't know what the spider legs are. I think he's just wearing... I mean, he's just a wacky wizard, you know? Yeah, I think it's just uh, I think it's just like his cape, his cowl. Sure. But uh I you know what? I'm I'm fine because personally, I know I'm going to we're going to catch some hate for this, but uh the Chris Rush brainstorm never never spoke to me. It was never was never my favorite my favorite uh brainstorm art. I I agree. I agree with that. You know what was my favorite brainstorm art for probably 15 years until our third option came along? Is this is it the second one you have here? <laughs> it's the second one. Brainstorm by wow, Tony. Wow, could not be more different, huh? 
Yeah, yeah. totally. So Tony D. Telrizzi, I'm probably butchering that, um, in Mercadian Masks about, what was it, five, six years later? Uh, no, more than that. Let me let me look it up. Uh, 1999. So yeah, it was like, it was like five years later. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, no, uh, Ice Age was 96. Oh, okay. So yeah, actually so only years. like three or four years later. So. I didn't realize it was that close. Okay. Yeah. So this came out three years afterwards, they decided to reprint the card brainstorm and they commissioned Tony to, uh, you know, reimagine the art. And this is a very beloved. And this was actually my favorite version of the art for years and years and years. I like this too, um, especially. I feel like it's just giving me a break after looking at that Chris Rush. <laughs> <laughs> it's also very symmetrical, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe it's like I, one thing I like about this is it's like someone turning inward with their mm. eyes closed. You get the sense that they're really focusing. Um, the first thing that came to mind for me were actually again like the posters that were produced in the art nouveau era mm-hmm. um you guys might know that was like the 19 or like early 19 teens okay. um very flapper-esque and i just think of like roaring 20s art nouveau totally and so one of the things that was really popular in that time was references to nature and really sinuous shapes lots of curling not necessarily perfectly symmetrical things um mm-hmm. But feeling like there's an order within all of these natural elements. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love that her hair almost becomes an extension of this brainstorm that she's doing where it's like rising up because she's uh, has so much energy coming out Mm -hmm. of her mind. And I, I like the subtle tilt that her eyebrow is slightly off so she's really mm-hmm. concentrating you get that. oh yeah i never really noticed that she has that mm-hmm. eyebrow quirk to one side like mm-hmm. she's definitely really intentional um and i love the seashells on her head um like she i mean they're very natural looking right they're like mm-hmm. real clamshells i would say um so and it also looks like the f- the glowing figures that are around her head. I don't know if those have any significance to you, but they almost look like they're somehow a combination between seashell shapes that look like characters from some kind of an alphabet. Yeah, I've never actually noticed this before. So when I see it in the card version, you know, the shrunk down version, I just kind of saw those as like blobs of light. Mm. And oh. now, and now looking at it like blown up like this, I realize it is very detailed, like arcanic symbols sketched mm-hmm. in the air. Yeah, yeah, I, I have kind of felt the same way actually, Jared, because they do kind of look like like yellow dots when you're looking at the card from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny that you also said it's very like self reflective and inward because so I had this as the background on my cell phone uh, for a while. And I forget, but like, I asked my dad to hand me my cell phone and he looks at my background and he's like, are you getting into that yoga shit? (laughs) 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 And I just like, I said, yes, because I didn't feel like explaining this entire backstory. (laughs) I love it. Oh, dads. (laughs) Yeah. I like this a lot. I think um, compositionally it's strong. As a portrait goes, I mean, this looks like a real person. And I think this artist is clearly very skilled in terms of their draftsmanship. 
there's a nice balance of light and color that's used. Um, her shawl has almost this like iridescent purpley blue quality that's really nice. Um, so I'm I'm a fan. Now, is this oil? How's my how's my recognition? Ooh, that's a great question. I would guess that this is somehow a combination of pastel. Yeah, I would guess it's more drawn, like with crayons or pastel. Yeah, that's what I was, so like the lower part of the scarf, like that heavy amount looks kind of like oil paint to me. But it then I mean, now that I'm looking at the curls, it's very hard to tell. But one of the things about pastels is that they do have they're they're sort of made of oils or you can get them that way. So yeah, like you were saying too, I noticed like the top of the shawl, you can like really see the like the scrape marks where like the the crayon was like drawn across the canvas. Yeah. And I'm noticing I just zoomed in a little bit. I'm noticing like there's um on her forearm, there's this great purple outline. Mm. Um and Again, it just reminds me of a lot of the techniques that were employed by Art Nouveau artists. And I think that's fun for an artist who's creating magic pieces to look back to that time. So awesome. Awesome. We're going to take it now to the modern day. This was a digital piece of artwork. And it is my new favorite version of Brainstorm, though it is very contentious there. This is actually pretty hated in the community, I would say. Yes, the the community. Well, I think Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the first of all, you either have your like Chris Rush and people respect that because it's the OG, like you got to respect the OG. Mm -hmm. And then I think the majority of the community kind of agrees that the the Tony Detail and Rizzi version is the best representation of the artwork. And then this one came along and this, I just love because it's so tongue in cheek, <laughs> but this is very hated or I, not hated, but very polarizing in the community. Yeah. I actually really, when I first saw this art, I thought <laughs> well, it was pretty sweet. I mean, honest, it's pretty but, incredible. Yeah. Before I realized that it was a brain and a face, um, I thought it was just a great lightning storm. And I mean, you know, just really quickly looking at it. So mm. Um, even without the figurative elements or, or, you know, if it were to exist on its own as a dramatic landscape with strong weather, I think it would still be attractive. Yeah. And it's really interesting that the artist chose to do this. Um, I'm guessing it's some body of water at the base, but it's on a complete tilt. Mm -hmm. Um, that's weird, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's pretty unconventional. Right. It, it reminds me of, like, being on it's a ship, cool. yeah. looking at a storm while, like, at sea and seeing, It definitely like, adds to the unease mm-hmm. of the artwork. And I think that it's really effective. Mm. And what I'll say is, I want to be clear, because I had such a strong reaction to the crisp brush. I really like when an artwork makes me uncomfortable. But there are successful ways of doing that and unsuccessful ways of hmm. doing that. And the Chris Rush, I just feel like someone drew a nasty picture. Um, <laughs> one, I feel like it's really turbulent and hmm. um, there's true anguish in mm-hmm. expressed in this. And I think that that is a relatable 
feeling. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a reason why Edvard Munch's The Scream is one of the most reproduced images in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it definitely conjures that kind of like, just complete freak out moment. Um, and I think that equating that with the storm, especially one that's at sea makes a lot of sense. So without using a huge range of colors, um, without having people in the space to tell the story, I mean, there is obviously a human face. Mm-hmm. I think this is really interesting. Um, it also makes me think of sort of how when you're feeling a certain way, um, you might interpret the things around you differently. So, um, you know, a landscape might end up feeling foreboding to a person just because of the state they're in. So um, that's one of the things that comes to mind as I'm looking at this. But I think, uh, you know, technically for a digital work of art, this is really impressive. Must have taken this art. It's a very long time. Um, And yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed by it. I like Hmm. it. Yeah. I just also love that, you know, uh, both the Chris Rush and the, and the Tony detailed Resi versions of brainstorm, as well as pretty much there's like four or five other versions of this artwork as well. And pretty much all of them have the same central figure touching their head, looking very concentrating, like all different versions of that. And then I just love how Chris ran just comes out of left field. He's like, no, nah, it's a literal <laughs> brainstorm. Right. It's yeah. a storm right. made of brains. I didn't even think about that, but you're so right. And it's funny because the lightning in Chris Rush's just feels mm. like amateurish, I guess, mm. or I don't know. This this feels um, much more sophisticated in a way to me. Yeah, very nice. Awesome. So, all right, picking favorites. Pat, we'll start with you. Which one's your favorite? Yeah, well, I think the cards I have are actually the, the, the Dieter Lizzie art, um, but that's because the Chris Ron art wasn't available. I really like the I know the first time I saw it because it was released for Magic Online. It wasn't actually the first time this card was released. It wasn't even printed. It was only available for like the digital version of the card game. Yeah, um, it didn't so come out we had to wait for a couple of years. Yeah, we had to wait for it to come out. Um, and even then I liked it. I thought it was really cool. And I'm glad they printed it in paper. I think that the Chris Ron art is my my favorite one out of the three. Uh, because it does feel very unique. It also feels incredibly like violent and and big, and it, it is a big spell when you cast it. So I, I like that about it. <laughs> awesome. What about you, Dakota? Which one's your favorite? Yeah, I think Chris ran. I mean, he got me with the tilted seascape. That's so weird. I I just haven't ever <laughs> seen that. So. Excellent. And of course, I'm going to go with the Chris Rand. It's it's my favorite. Hear that, folks? Three for three. We have settled the debate. The Chris <laughs> Rand brainstorm is the best brainstorm art. No more debates. We've settled it. Yep, no need to talk about it anymore. We're good. Uh, Dakota, if you want to put your email address out there for people to send all the hate mail. <laughs> Definitely not. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. So that was kind of going to modern day. I think that Chris Ranart uh, came out like three or four years ago. Um, up next, we're going to take it back to the early days of magic uh, with some uh, very interesting original. And this was suggested by our listener, David, and he, he brought it up and I actually, I'm like, huh, like that's not a very cool card. Like these cards don't see play anymore. And then I looked at the art and I realized why he suggested it. And mm. 
the uh, card we're referring to is Power Sync, the alpha version by Richard Thomas, and then the Ice Age version by Mark Poole. And it's just two completely different takes on the same mm-hmm. concept. This is the same card? This is the same card. Two different arts for the same card. Called Power Sync. Wow. So um, is there anything you can tell me about the function here or the story that's supposed to be told? So the flavor of the card is you are stopping your opponent from doing something by siphoning away all of their energy. So by sucking out their energy, you stop them from doing whatever they were trying to do. Not what I would have necessarily gathered. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Interesting. Um, well, we can describe them, I guess, for the listeners. They probably already know. But it, I mean, one is using landscape forms that revolve around an eye. And the eye is at the center of what seems like a sort of whirlpool or sinkhole. Mm-hmm. And then the upper... <laughs> The upper one is a man looking at his hands. Tripping, tripping balls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about this, right? Yeah, no, I. To, so can I tell you what it to me it feels like? Like, like he's trying to cast a spell and it's fizzling in his hands. You know what I mean? That that's my thought as well. Yeah, but that's just knowing what the card does. Like to sure. me, it's like. He's trying to like cast his magic and his magic is like short circuiting in his mm. hands. Mm. Well, his face definitely shows like consternation, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He's not happy. He's he not looks happy. like an old math teacher I had. <laughs> <laughs> he has those uh, like the um, the sigils across his forehead, too, which I've never noticed. Oh, yeah. So it's like reflecting the light from his hands. I do like that, actually. How, how is that a good style or is that a bad style? The you can see like almost like the reflection on his shiny forehead and nose. Yeah. I always appreciate it when artists pay attention to light and where it should or shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, if you look in his eyes, you can see the reflection of like the spell fizzling mm. in in his eyes, which is different in each eye, which is interesting too. Yeah. It looks like this artist used marker, which is interesting. um, I would guess anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, even if you look at the back of the hands they've done with this medium, they've done a good job um, showing where the light is coming from by the difference in shadow um, versus light on the fore part of the hand and the back part of the hand. And again, in the crevices of this guy's wrinkles on his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of like early 90s comic book art. Um, yeah. Like one thing, one thing we talked about on previous episodes with you, Dakota, was the difference between art and an illustration. Mm-hmm. And I feel this is very much an illustration rather than art. Not saying mm. like it's it's not art, so you should disregard it. Just like from a technical standpoint, this is an illustration rather than art. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's definitely attempting to tell a story. You know, the the artists fit a lot of detail into a small space. Um, Pat said that he has these symbols on his forehead. I'm noticing them again in his collar, which is. Oh, yeah. Um, and he definitely seems like someone who isn't getting what he's expecting out of whatever he's trying to do. 
Um, whether that's just look at his hands while he's high or create a spell, <laughs> we'll never know. We've all but- been there, okay? No judgment. <laughs> Bottaroo! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's take a look at the, uh, the power sink from ice age by Mark pool, which I feel is the other side of the coin. Like, I feel this is the opposite of an illustration. You know, this is very much, you know, a metaphor evoking a feeling rather than, you know, being literal about anything. I noticed something about this art. I've never realized before. What? The, the different land types in the, like that's yeah. on the eye swirling. Yes. Yeah, swirling around. You have some mountains, uh island uh forest i believe that's plains it kind of looks like scrublands yeah and then like you have a swamp yeah i've never noticed that before it's interesting yeah and huh. that's what the different landscape cards are yeah, yeah exactly. of the game so it's like rep- gotcha. representing the different magic and and that would make sense because like mark pool by this point had been you know illustrating the game for years now like he clearly knew and a land specialist too right he did a lot of the lands yes yeah he did a lot of lands you know very very famous artists for the early days of magic you know he did many many beloved pieces in the game for like the first five to ten years mm-hmm. so um, he definitely an artist who is very well versed in the rules and the mechanics of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, I I like this one. Uh, I think it's interesting. Um, I guess the image quality isn't fantastic. I don't know if it looks like this on the card too. Probably, I would guess, right? Yeah, it's about that. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of color, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unconventional and. Um, I feel like it's sort of on this border between turning in, like tipping into abstraction almost mm. um, without the eye, you would still recognize the landscape parts, but you, mm-hmm. you would be able to focus on certain parts of this where it's really distinct um, marks on the, the artwork, like this uh, around the whirlpool area. It's almost like he's carving out this frenetic energy that's swirling mm. around so i'm i guess i'm interested in the way his mark making creates this feeling um and it also makes me think of the way that land is actually formed is through time you know water flows over it basically whether it's ice or water or whatever um and i i feel like this is almost like a speeding up of that where mm his brush mark is just denoting where that carving of land is happening in a way. Yeah. I I also noticed too. So it's very rough brush strokes all around the edges, but then the eye itself in the very center is very sharp and clear, Mm. Uh, you know, very precise on the eye. Right. There's a, a stark contrast there. Right. All right, let's go around the horn. Pat, which one's your favorite? Mark Poole, not close. Yeah. Mark, Mark Poole, not, not close? Not All close, right. not close. What about you, Dakota? Yeah, I agree with that. Mark Poole. I'm going to go I'm gonna go with uh, the Richard Thomas because, you know, hey, we've all been there, man. We've all been there. It's Fish's, <laughs> Fish's second set, and, you know, you lost your friends, and, you know, I, I feel that. I feel that, bud. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, we got a good one up next, Pat. I'm excited for this one. Hold on. Is this the one? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No spoilers. Don't scroll below. Let's talk about this this one first, and then we'll talk about its reprint version. Okay. <laughs> no, no spoilers. Don't scroll. So up next, we have Faithless Looting by Kavor Skyazi, which I'm definitely mangling that name. I apologize. Gabor. No, that sounds perfect. Sounds like you did a great job. <laughs> um. Interesting. Kind of looks like a scene out of Harry Potter to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. There's um, a strong desire to convey a story. So it's it's much more about capturing this moment within a story um, and forefronting the books and how that, uh, how they're burning, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, whoops. I just... I was only looking at half of the composition because I didn't, I was zoomed in too much. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Now I'm seeing his giant weapon. Yeah. Which looks incredibly unwieldy and not practical. I'm not a big fan of that. Like, would you, would you say he's, he's going to ax those books? I guess so. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. They're already burning. Like, what are you going to (laughs) do? Would you would board? you say he's would you say he's an athlete, Pat? Would you say he's an athlete? I don't know. Did he injure himself celebrating a win? <laughs> I don't know. That uh, we have an we have an ongoing debate over the the quantification of athletes uh, on this cast. <laughs> don't mind us, Dakota. <laughs> Dakota's just looking at us very strangely. Yeah. Like, we... <laughs> um. So kind of the the flavor of this card what the art's supposed to represent is uh you know in the game you get to draw two cards and then discard two cards so the idea being that like you are gaining some treasure but in order to gain that treasure you have to throw away other treasure that you don't oh, want okay. and, and that's what i get where you got this this guy on the left who's making off i think this is like in a church it's supposed to be like in a church somewhere. that's what i was that's what i read it as like some kind of cathedral yeah. yeah, and and he's got a backpack full of like silver goblets, and he's making a break for the window to like steal these silver goblets. And then on the right hand side, we got you know J- Paul Bunyan, you know, setting books on fire and going to take an axe to him. Love it. Well, um, I'm it's it's interesting. I don't. I'm not. I like it. Sort of feels like it's about to come to life into an animated movie like hmm. uh, a deleted scene from beauty and the beast or something mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh, i could definitely see that I mean, cogsworth just struts across the screen yeah, exactly, <laughs> right um i like it though i think um i appreciate that there's in this small frame there's so much that they've captured so much that they're that's going on and i think mm-hmm. everything you just said jerry we could have spent a little time and figured that out without any context um clearly it's a church or or some sort of like hallowed space um with alluding i wouldn't understand why this guy is so angry um necessarily but you know it sort of feels like in this image every man is for himself a bit um Mm -hmm. they're not cooperating or anything maybe they have different objectives um i think putting the the book's in the foreground and having them burning really emphasizes almost like a, a loss of knowledge, um, mm-hmm. which that's 
what you were saying. Maybe. Yeah, that makes sense because you're you're discarding cards, and in the game of magic, your cards represent your knowledge. You know, yep. your your deck is called your library. It's where your knowledge is housed. So yeah, by discarding cards, you're you know destroying knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's funny you mentioned that this feels like a uh, like it's about to come alive and become animated. Because Wizards of the Coast has actually, in the past couple of years, since they've moved more towards digital art, a lot of their ad campaigns, they take the art from Magic Cards and then give them like slight animations. Like, I don't know if you know the style where it's like, it started off as a stag- stagnant photo and then they use like Photoshop to like give hinges right. and give, and I believe this card was actually used in the marketing campaign Probably uh, was for, yeah. for Innistrad with the cards like coming to life. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely see that working beautifully for this. All right. Are you ready for something completely different now? Yes. <laughs> so up next, we have the reprinted version of this card. Okay. What? Faithless Looting by Carly Mazur. And this caused quite Weird. an uproar. I really <laughs> like this though. <laughs> <laughs> this caused a huge uproar when it was printed because basically for you know magic has had a very homogenization of its art in recent years where all the art almost looks like it's by the same artist of the same yeah, style because it's that digital because it's exactly yeah. and it's yeah. that homogenous. and so then people were like we want different art we want different art let's go back to the old days of magic with different art and then wizard said okay here you go and they gave us this and then a lot of the player base was basically not like this yeah. <laughs> really? okay i think I, it was shocking i just think i think it was like oh i kind of like her and I, honestly i think this is better than a lot of the other things i'm seeing by her wow um wow. hot this, take hot take i i dig it okay one of the things i will say that i like about this is if you're just looking at the bottom half it's a completely different thing i always mm. like that when an artist combines different styles and elements and on their own, they can mean different things, but when they come together, they create a different uh, context, a different story. So the human figure is very lifelike. It's photographic realism, essentially. Yeah, Yeah, very detailed. Um, Like I actually wouldn't even be surprised if it was a photograph that they then layered all this other stuff on top of. It looks so realistic. Could be. And I'm, you know, one of the fingers is bending back in a weird way. So they definitely would have either either painted it in oil or digitally altered it Mm -hmm. if it is indeed a photograph. But either way, um, I think this is super interesting. I love that there's this um, Tondo in the background that's uh, that's like a, a circular inset of architecture where it's a a window so like a rose window behind the figure with these flames in the background and then when I look at the bowl they're holding which looks like it has puffs of flames coming out of it Mm -hmm. um, and then almost like this molten liquid that's being poured out I, I fully understand that they are reinterpreting um this idea of fire destruction um but in in these really reduced symbols like the flames coming out almost look like what you would see on a 
a warning sign for something. Yeah, like danger, fire hazard. (laughs) And juxtaposing that against this really photographically um, rendered body is so interesting Mm. to me. Um, And uh, also there are, you know, so you have these clouds, the white clouds streaming across the figure's body. Um, and those have very rough brush strokes that you can see clearly, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting again in, in juxtaposition with the other ways that um, this artist had cho- has chosen to render different parts of the composition. Um, but it almost looks like there's a stenciling as well behind their body. Uh, that I, Yeah, I just, I, there's a lot going on here. But because it has a reduced color palette, it doesn't feel overwhelming. It just feels like something that you can, you know, stick with and keep discovering things in. There's this echoing, for example, I'm just seeing now between the flames that are coming out of the bowl and the flames that are shown in mm. the glass window. But they read differently because they're in different zones of the, the, of the artwork. So can I ask, though, since this is rectangular, how does it? How is it reproduced on the card? So they actually cut off the bottom half of it. On the card itself, you only see the top half. Interesting. Uh, For me, it it feels like it's a collage. Like, I feel like this is a magazine and construction paper cutout. Uh, Mm. Just because, like, the levels of detail. Like, you have the photographic body. Then you have the dress, which is literally just a flat color. Like, it could be a piece of construction paper. And then you have the cloak, which is also very flat, but has much more detail in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, while the, the, it, it feels very flat, like it feels like it's a, a sheet of paper rather than a cloak. It's There's very depth to it though, yeah, right? It's very detailed yeah. and depth-like at the same time. Right. Mm. And then behind that, you have the stained glass, which is just another just completely different style of detail. Well, this is my favorite thing we've looked at so far. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, no need to ask. Definitely go in with the Carly Mazer version of uh, Faithless Looting. What about you, Pat? Which version for you? So I actually don't like the first one at all. Like I don't like, I don't, to me, it looks just like, I don't know. It's not, it doesn't, it's not moving to me. And the second one, the first time I saw it, I wanted to throw up because it's so, <laughs> and, and, and and really nothing, it has nothing to do it with just like, shows. It just shows how hypocritical magic players are because we're like, we want different art. We want different art. And then they printed this and we're like, not bad well, art. And the reason think why we, we think it's bad is because it's so different. Like, no, like, it, so and, I think let me just let me just say it wasn't that people wanted different art. They wanted a variety of art because it had become so homogenized. And I think the intention was they wanted a callback to the 90s when it was very like looked like stuff out of a D&D magazine that I think that's that's what they were looking for. Yeah, this is not that. Um, but I will say that seeing this image in full for the first time kind of blown up. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if I love it as a magic card just because it's so outside the realm of what we've seen. But that that being said, it it's it's certainly like um, on its merit, a much better artwork than some of the stuff that we've seen from the greats of magic's past. Does that make sense? Like, I think as a, as a piece of artwork, I think it's very much better. There's, there's a lot more skill involved in this than we've seen in like maybe Chris Rush's brainstorm, for instance. One Um, last thing I want to add about this, it's called faithless looting. And I, I, 
I think that the artist, especially foregrounding their figure against a stained glass window mm -hmm. is showing a figure that looks, you know, the pose. If you think of a lot of stained glass windows, you're going to have saints that are holding their oh, object, right? Yeah. But it's that's faithless looting. And this is, you know, their eyes are covered with the red dots. There's something mm -hmm. potentially sinister. I like that it's open for interpretation, but I definitely think that this is harking back or drawing from more more like religious icon depictions of because mm -hmm. um, you're so right that's if, really interesting yeah if this was a stained glass window you know depicting a saint the figure in the art is standing exactly framed so that if they were part of the art that like they would be perfectly placed uh mm -hmm. in the stained glass window right um for any interested listeners you might enjoy looking at Kahinda Wiley's stained glass windows. He's recently done a lot of contemporary figures depicted in a stained glass style. And he's doing a similar thing where he's using contemporary figures where they might be holding a certain um, object of their choosing as hmm. though they're a saint. So contemporary artists are newly looking to the medium of stained glass and thinking about using that as uh, a new way of exploring portraiture, I guess. All right, anyway, portraiture, stained glass, contemporary art, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> All good. Um, I gotta say, it, when I'm sleeving up my deck, I'm gonna be using Gabor Skyazi's uh, Faithless Looting. That's the version I'm gonna be putting in my deck, but I can see how uh, Carly Mazur's version is art this is i could definitely see this piece you know hanging in the institute of contemporary art whereas uh gabor's not so much gabor's probably not going to be in the ica <laughs> uh let's take a look now at another very popular artwork from about kind of kind of at the halfway mark this came yeah. out you know right about the halfway mark of magic's uh, history this card's probably this art's like 15 I've never years seen old. this one enlarged. I've never seen this one blown up before. Oh, yeah. And it's so much more to it than I thought. Thoughtseize from Lorwyn by Thoughtseize uh, by Aleski Brislot. Bracelot. Oh, weird. Yeah. So so what the card does is it 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 allows your opponent to look at your hand, which is obviously extremely valuable information. Take a card from your hand, make you basically make you discard it. Um, yeah, that's basically the effect of the card. Yeah, um, you're 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 plucking a card out of your opponent's hand and making them discard it. Exactly, exactly. God, brutal. And I and that's what I got when I look at this art. It's like a fairy, like someone's sleeping, and this fairy is going up to the person's ear. It's a and, sleeping elf, sleeping elf, or a sleeping way. elf. Yes, that's an elf ear. Elf yeah. on the ear for sure. Yeah. And it's just extracting a thought. And, yeah. and stealing the thought away. I really like the way this looks. I don't know what, how it was made, like what medium it's in, but it's really neat to me. Yeah, that's a good question. I would, hmm, I might guess digital. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely possible. The one thing that is kind of strange to me is the moon in the top right-hand corner. I was thinking that too. It doesn't fit 
white. I think it would almost be better without that. Oh, I see. I like it. It's cool to me. It feels like an anchor in the in the picture. You know, like it's fixed. It's like the fixed point. Clearly painted stars too. Like just not like yeah, constellation. Like just like star stars. stars. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It looked like um, you know, those tapestries people used to have up on their walls back in you know high school, in college. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it looks like this elf has one of those tapestries up, which <laughs> with his hairdo. He's got he's got the uh, the the uh, dread the dreads coming on off. Uh, that is interesting though, because like the the main composition is very realistic in its like styling, and then yeah, those stars and moons are like straight up like cartoon. Yeah, uh, like this is an illustration of stars and moon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love the, the the fairy figure is so cool looking too. I love that their wings sort of disappear into. I, honestly, I'm not joking with the idea of this being a tapestry of some kind in the background because it almost looks rippled. Mm. And something about everything but the elf looks somehow rippled to me. Hmm. Yeah, because um, the fairy is like engulfed in the the energy coming out of this elf's ear. Yeah, and see how, okay, so we're talking about on the right side, the stars being very clear five-pointed stars. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at the leg of this fairy, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, orbs of light that are in motion. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, And I didn't notice until a second ago when I've been looking at this for a while. I was really drawn to the wings of the fairy um, where those look like they're almost disappearing. But again, it has something to do with this kind of motion that doesn't make sense in the way we think of motion, which I kind of like. It's almost like, oh, is this a a fairy who's in some sort of fourth dimension or something Mm -hmm. in the way that Mm -hmm. they're operating? And actually, aside from their, the shape of their, face and head and their hands they're quite they're quite a beautiful figure Mm. they feel beautiful but dangerous yeah i think it's the hands that do it for Mm. sure the hands feel like they're derived from an insect which is for me for me it's the tattooed legs i stay away from from uh people with leg tattoos especially full sleeve leg full tattoos sleeve, tribal tat- <laughs> but that person was super into the 90s awesome should we look at the reprint version sure mm-hmm. yeah so up next is thought seas from theros <laughs> by lucas uh Graclinio. I'm butchering that one as well. Sorry. Garciano. Garciano. Um, poor guy. <laughs> yeah. He's not having a good day. He is not having a good day. He looks like a Roman emperor. emperor mm. This oh was very God. much like a, like a, a, that kind of set, right? Theros. Yeah. So the setting, the setting of this set that this came out with in the theme was a uh, Greek mythology. Yes. Ah, okay. So Grecian, not Roman. Yeah. So this artwork always remind me of Pompeii. Like I feel like this is a second before Pompeii impact hits. 
he dipped his hand in the lava and he's about to <laughs> yeah he, he he touched the forbidden jello can't touch the forbidden <laughs> jello. <laughs> um what's up with the mask so that was a recurring theme throughout the set where the people in the underworld had the wore these bore these masks and i think that harkens back to greek mythology if i'm not mistaken but i'm not 100 percent sure but basically anyone who was like uh, who had accessed the underworld even the god of the underworld wore like these gold masks over their face i don't know why it's in this picture uh if he had just maybe had just been presented to him so i something like that i think that my theory of this is that was his mask and he just took it off and this is what happens to the spirits oh, in the oh. underworld when they take when they take off their mask. The area of his face that's unaffected is True. where this would have yeah. been. Yeah. But his, but his hands are completely burnt. So that could be what, what pulled the mask off was his hands. Yep. Yeah, he pulled mm. the mask off with his hands, and that's why his hands are are burning. Yep. And it's you can just see he's like starting to slowly decay yeah. from it. And oh, he's gonna interesting. Turn into a pile of ash. You see the trees behind him through the windows. It's pretty. Yeah, cool. I was looking at that. Yeah, they're. I. I mean, I love them. I think they're um, echoing the smoke that's coming off of his head mm. in a certain kind of way. Like they feel wispy and like mm. they're dissolving into smoke as well. Yeah, I like um, that. I. I also love that this work um, has differing levels of um preciseness and it enables you to really focus on certain areas mm -hmm. so as we were just saying the trees are a little more vague um you know the smoke pieces or smoldering pieces that are falling off of his robe are much more abstractly depicted but then i would say the most intensely precise area of the painting is his eye and that glint of light on it and it's his, the way his eye, you know, I guess it's his left eye there is bulging out of his face in horror. And you can see the different browns in his iris. Um, it's like, it's beautifully rendered, but really uh, emphasizes the horror that he's experiencing. Mm, mm, definitely. Let, let's let's take a look at one more before we do what what's your favorite dakota Th the first thought sees or the second thought sees oh um i guess i kind of like the second one okay nice yeah yeah i do what about you pat which one's your favorite first first yeah i've uh, yeah i like them both don't get me wrong i think the second one's really neat too but i like i think like the first i like the the first feels very fantasy to me, you know? Yeah, I feel I would want the second hanging on my wall and I would want the first in my deck. Sure. Is how I would go about approaching okay. that. So I'm going to split the difference. Okay. Um, so we have we have uh, probably time for one more left, uh, Dakota. Did you want to pick, pick our next one uh, from the options available? Whichever oh, one speaks okay. to you the most. I'm really quickly scrolling here. Ooh, this is very different from what I've seen. I just landed on, it looks like a samurai. Ah, I was hoping you'd choose that. So <laughs> this will be a lot. So this is actually the previous uh, three. These are all the same card. These four pieces of art. Really? Yes. Interesting. Oh, I've never even seen because the I was, I paused on the lady with <laughs> 
stuff. I also really like that. All right, let's let's dive into it. The, of course, for our listeners who haven't pieced it together yet, we're talking about the many, many reprints of Swords to Plowshares. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole flavor behind the card, Dakota, is um, that you are removing your opponent's creature from the game and they are gaining life equal to its power. So it's like you're taking their warrior and you're sending them off into the fields to be a farmer instead of a warrior. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and so the first version... That was uh, beautifully put, Jerry. Oh, why, thank that was you. very I, nice. I have an artistic soul, you know. You do, yeah. <laughs> very impressed. Uh, the first version, uh, which came out in the first set of Magic, uh, is by Jeff Mangus. And that's the picture of the uh, kind of weary peasant in the wheat field in front of the mm-hmm. castle. Mm-hmm. Um, well, is that the moat castle, Jerry? It feels like it. Like it feels like it's. Moat. Didn't Men- didn't Menges do moat as well? I think so. Well, all right, Dakota, you analyze this. I do some quick Google and hold on. All right. So the first thing that comes to mind is I just moved to this new area of Brooklyn where there are a lot of um, different sex of Christianity and a lot of them have these handmade drawn you know paintings of Jesus and this looks identical from something that they would put up on the sidewalk mm. um it's very uh and I'm not saying this in a demeaning way it's very like crudely painted mm. um there's not a lot of subtlety, for example, in the shading of his garment or even in the way that the, the wheat is reproduced, you know, um, painted. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not uh, something that I want to spend a lot of time looking at, I guess, in short. Even the color is pretty bland. Drab. drab. Yeah, drab. There you go. Um. So I'm I'm not into it really personally. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> let's let's move second on. Second one. Yeah, the second version, uh, which was printed, which is the Ice Age version of. I almost uh, never see this art in play. It's actually one of my favorite arts. So this is my playset that I use. So like when I'm sleeving up sources of plowshares, uh, this is the version uh, that I use. And uh, it's Source to Plowshares from Ice Age by uh, Kaja Foglio. I really like this a lot. Um, one thing that springs to mind again is not necessarily stained glass, although I do think that there's a stained glass window behind this figure. Yep. Um, but just in general, the kind of um, geometry of medieval art, mm. um, like even if you look at her hands, or the way the dove's feathers are rendered, there's um, kind of like outlines and there's this interest in um, creating spaces for the colors to fit into as mm. almost as though it's um, the edges around the panes of glass in the stained glass window. Um, I love that the sword is turning into a dove somehow um it really evokes the flavor of the card of that yeah, you know yeah. you you shall not fight anymore i right. don't like that the sword the hilt of the sword has different uh different symbols on it that seems that bothers me 
Yeah, it feels like she tried to almost do a perspective thing because like the crosses on the left, like it feels like the left side of the sword hilt got stretched out somehow. Yeah, I think yeah, it's just bad. Successful. I agree. I mean, the yeah. I totally if you look at like if if like you shouldn't be able to see the cross the way you see the cross because it indicates that like like her chest would be more side like sideways for you to see like the the upright of the cross and both arms mm-hmm. like you really should only see half of it but I'm sure like artistically it doesn't look as nice seeing like you know half you know, it, that's one of the things I never liked about the Foglios was the way they depicted their art it's very um. Like perspective is very important to me in art, and if the perspective is wrong, it it bothers me, and that's that's like one thing that that kind of irks me about this one, a little bit. If we're gonna talk about things that irk us, because I want to say again, I really like this one, um, but I almost want the artist to to just go fully for the flatness that, um, not so much in the dove, but like I don't. I don't think this woman's face, the style that it's rendered in, fits with the rest of the artwork, really. Mm-hmm. The way that their cheeks are, you know, um, lit up with light. Uh, I don't know. Or, or like the glint on the piece under her collar. Um, yeah, I almost, I almost want her to fit more seamlessly stylistically with the rest mm-hmm. of the artwork. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it, it does feel like the head is kind of like plastered on there. Like it, it's the head does not fit the body. This feels like a really strong draft where if an artist brought this to me, I would say amazing. Love this concept. Love the composition and the colors. I'm ready for your final draft where you're going to fix it. <laughs> and then they're like, but, but Miss Dakota, this is my final draft. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So strong source of plowshares up next. Uh, we have Therese Nielsen's swords to plowshares, mm-hmm. very different style. Um, this one, I forget which version this came out in. Like one of the, I think it was like M17 or something like that. I love that artists are getting so many different interpretations out of this one mm. part. I mean, the, these these three so far are so completely different. This this dude, this dude is juiced up. Look at, <laughs> yeah. Look at those pipes, bro. Like, well, this dude is swole. Also, the big difference is, is like both the first one and the second one was very much like a peaceful image, like you shall not fight anymore. The mm. second one is like, yo, he's ready to go at a moment's notice. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, are those, like, are I those mean... warriors behind him? Like in the skulls? So it actually, I think the skulls are like ornaments and then there's like guys holding up the skulls. Oh. It still looks like a decorative motif, right? Yes, mm. very yeah. much so. With some sort of a fire burning behind it and then this tree with the vultures. Vultures always mean death Mm. (laughs) poor vultures get the bad rap yeah well um they do what they do you know but uh i also want to point out this guy is holding his sword as though um he's shackled to it which Mm. oh okay um i like that the tree echoes the shape of his body like his arms almost look like they're 
the the branches are uh, following the line of his arm. Oh, that is a good point. Yeah, I never really realized that. And I think that these figures in the decorative motif in the background where they're strong figures that are in motion doing something are, again, to contrast what's going on here. We've got this totally um, ripped man who could clearly demolish someone, but he's, um, he's not doing that right now. He is mm. forlorn and looking like that is not his fate. Um, I think this is, you know, the more I look at this, I think it's really interesting. Um, just in terms of all of the different layers of meaning that the artist has brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I like this one a lot, actually. And I, I think I, I, I didn't pay as much attention to it. Um, but I'm noticing that there's just a lot of detail. It's really, really well executed. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the sense that this figure, there's great um, lighting and shadow to create a sense of real depth and musculature. And then you have the flat decorative motif in the background and then again you have a different type of um dimensionality portrayed with the tree in the background and the different lighting coming through it so Mm -hmm. yeah i really like this one a lot excellent also uh to mention this isn't the only versions of this art there's uh like three four maybe even five other versions of the art for this card that uh we just don't have time to get to so lots of different reimagination actually just quickly i want to show you one of them because it's a spoof on this card since you had so much to say um so this card was reprinted in a joke set um where uh the main character was a frog monster named yargle and so this card was reprinted and reimagined uh, as this. <laughs> and I just posted it right below it. Uh, okay. <laughs> what? That's kind of funny. That's rude. <laughs> so this is Swords to Plowshares by Dimitri Burmack, uh, poking a little fun at Therese Nielsen's uh, version of Swords to Plowshares. Definitely. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> okay. I mean, this is a different world. Magic. My goodness. Um, I, I don't, I don't think they bear comparing, but <laughs> I get the joke big time. It is funny. I mean, like even the skulls in the background look like they're kind of smiling. So. Right. Very, very tongue in cheek representation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's take a look at the final, final one that we are going to take a look at. And that is source the plowshares by Nagano is just the artist's name. Uh, and this is, uh, so these were a, uh, a promo version where the Japanese edition of the, of the set. So the, the Japanese language of the set had special artwork included that was only available for the Japanese language cards. Oh, interesting. Um, and it, it's a Japanese cards are actually a collectible in magic. Many players, because it's kind of like, oh, I don't even need to read the card. I know it so well. I have it memorized. 
will play their deck using Japanese or Russian or foreign language cards as like a way to kind of like further, like put their own personality into the deck and just, you know, the kanji of Japanese or Korean or, you know, Russian uh, language um, is just, you know, an extension of the art for them. Interesting. Okay. Um, Well, I love this one, first off. Um, It's obviously done in the style of a woodblock print. Um, And it looks to me like it probably is actually created um, digitally. But what that allows is more subtlety of color and a lot more color. Like with a woodblock print, you would typically do, you know, I don't know, different layers of color that would each be their, you know, their own press against the paper. Um, mm-hmm. And if you ever had to actually recreate this with a woodblock print, that would mean, you know, 50 different colors or something. So, so it, it would be a long process making yeah, this woodblock yeah. print. <laughs> but that's not what this is. But this is um, taking that style and um, using it to create just this really like interesting landscape um, that has a lot of movement in the sky, um, not only with the birds flying across, but also with the clouds sort of like ebbing, um, meeting the mountains that are also very undulating and turning into this beautiful like coastline, I guess it is. Um, So it feels like with every, with the sky, the mountains, the coastline, and then you get to the grass, they're all in this kind of dance with each other, meeting each other and melding into each other in a really interesting way. Um, So even if you look at the grass bringing up behind this figure, it ends up being about the same size as the tree that's just on the other side of him, which I think is kind of fun playing with the sense of perspective um mm. and the hill that's below his foot in the in the lower left hand side of the painting the rock that's next to his body and then the mountains in the background again are all about the same size in reality on the paper um but they mean very different things in terms of their scale within the work True. and The thing about woodblock is that it has this kind of innate flatness to it. And so for artists to play with scale in this way is, um, is a almost a way for them to show their prowess of that medium. Hmm. Um, obviously where this is digitally recreated, um, there, I, I mean, it's not quite as challenging because they can do more with the, um, the shading and the nuances of color, but it's using the same, I guess, visual language as a woodblock print. So it's still really interesting to me. Um, Anyway, I I think it's really beautiful. I think the figure um, is really interesting and the way that like a lot of color and pattern is concentrated in them still makes them among this really beautiful, captivating landscape, the focal point. And they're, their hand against the one sort of um, unadorned um, space in the painting 
is this really strong signal um, pointing in the direction. Yeah. And I like just the detail for the samurai. They're, they're still wearing, uh, wearing their scabbards for their swords, but they're empty. It's just the scabbards. And instead all he has is, is this, you know, plow on his, uh, on his shoulder instead. Wow. I wouldn't have even noticed that. That's great. So yeah, I was a big fan. I haven't picked up these versions uh, yet. I really Very want cool. them. Um, I, th- cool. I wonder how much they are. I think they're hard to find. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this. I was super excited when I saw this artwork spoiled for the first time. Yeah, I'm a fan for sure. All right. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get the, get these. Uh, also, <laughs> um, I want to show you, this is what it actually looks like on the card, Dakota. So let oh, me, okay, good. let me see how, how, so this is how players of the game would see it. Uh, if you scroll down a page. Okay. Well, you see most of the main details. Yeah. This is really cool. Mm. I'd be interested to see more of the, the cards that are, as you said, there's Russian and Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're drawing from really different artists, I think that'd be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm going to have to pick up a couple of these. They're, uh, they're about 10 bucks. So I'm going to have to. Oh, add it those seems to like a card. great price. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, is that for foils or just for regular magic card? Jerry, will you get me one of these? You want, I will definitely get you one of these. That'd be in. awesome. I will. Yeah. We could, we could like a nice little glass frame. Card. What should I do with it? You could frame it. Yeah. I have uh, I have magic. Well, you can't see it because of my background, but I have magic art up behind me. I have actually, I have a couple of Chris Rush pictures. <laughs> You, you could you could put it in your wallet like with your yeah. with your family photos and you just have the magic <laughs> card in there <laughs> that way i can always think of you too there you go uh, <laughs> i i will 100 percent get you one dakota okay, we'll, do it. Awesome. we'll do it up send it out we'll set, ship it off well i don't want to keep you too much longer dakota was there anything else you want to add before we wrapped up oh before we go dakota what was your favorite art of the night Ooh. okay well I mean, we ended on a high note for sure. Yeah. Roll yeah. back through here. Hard to beat that. Mm, you guys aren't going to like this, but I think it's Carly Mazur. Oh, yeah. The Faithless Looting. Yeah, I think, so. <laughs> well, I think so. I love it. He's an artist I want to know more about now. Okay. Oh, I'm glad we, we showed you someone new that you like. That's and I actually cool. did really like the Drew Tucker at the, the plateau work at the start. Mm. I think because I just, I was never expecting to see a watercolor painting yeah. like this in a Malibu. I would get you that one, but I don't have $2,500. <laughs> we could do a print. If anyone got a, a line on uh, some Drew Tucker uh, plateau prints, let us know. Hook <laughs> Dakota up. Love it. Love but it. I want the lost original, Jared. <laughs> the, the, I will track it down. <laughs> <laughs> where's awesome. where's nick cage we have a mission <laughs> uh excellent excellent well thanks so much dakota always a blast having you on yeah thank you guys i love it let's do awesome. it again soon. uh Absolutely. yeah we're gonna have to do a part two sometime down the line because we had lots of other ones uh just uh to tease it for some people we had uh narc amoeba 
we had the hymn to Torak versions. We had Tarmogoyf. We had, we have some good ones left in the hopper to discuss. We got to put in Delver secrets for the next one too. It's going to make it in because I have very strong feelings about that. Dakota's but... going to hate it. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, uh, get Dakota. Thank you again so much. It's such a pleasure having you on. It's great to talk to you. And, uh, and yeah, I can't wait for the next one and, and we'll catch you all next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. You too. See ya. <laughs>